Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, yo, Daph, what's going on? What's going on? Nothing but the rent. It's the first <laughs> of the month, so ain't nothing going on but the rent. I'm like trying to get that rent in for you get a, get them late payments of eviction, huh? None of that. Mm-hmm. Also <laughs> trying to get a garage uh, at my apartment complex before it really turns cold, because it's already pretty cool here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like, okay, let's get a garage, because next thing we know, it's going to be snowing outside. Hey, that's when garages come in the most handy and that's no you don't got to get up to just wipe it all off your car de-ice it warm it up oh my goodness you can just hop in and go <laughs> right i mean i don't really need it it's more so john needs it because he actually has to be at work in the morning time you know okay. i got time to de-ice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of the academic lifestyle <laughs> yeah you he ain't got nowhere to be is what you say. Yeah, I always tell him, don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. <laughs> uh, <too> <laughs> What's going on with you? Nothing much. You know, typical, same old, doing schoolwork, classes, grading. You know, nothing nothing new been going on with me for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Started probably hitting up the gym again this week. I've been running in the past month or so, and I'm just doing a lot of cardio, and now I'll probably get oh, back in, right. you know, hit, hit them weights again all right all right that's good to hear like i mm-hmm. so i'm i'm technically out of town right now I'm, i got a membership at gold's gym mm-hmm. that's so what i got to before i left i went to pick up my little um visitor pass so that i can work out while i'm out of town we'll yeah, see how that nice. happens though yeah hopefully you get a couple sessions in you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that's cool. So uh, we got some uh, Oh Lord news this week. But of course. I'm sure we got some things to talk about. Right, so let's get into it. Hello and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening Oh Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... Okay, so one question. Did you watch Saturday Night Live? I didn't watch it, but I saw some clips. <laughs> Let's just say OMG. So first of all, wh- first of all, Kanye comes out performing in a MAGA hat. <laughs> and I immediately turned the channel. Like, seriously, I'm like, I'm not going to like watch this, support this. Like, I can't. I don't care what color you are. If you a MAGA, if you on the Trump train and you really flaunt it, deuces. I changed the channel. But then I wake up to see that he goes on this rant about how people are bullying him. Man. <laughs> 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 I saw that too. Take it up for Trump, like, oh, you guys are doing this thing. I'm like, dude, you really are in a sunken He even mentioned the sunken place thing. Like, you are in a sunken place. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I don't even think he really understands the sunken place. I just feel like he's always using it in the wrong context. <laughs> yes, but I just I just couldn't get over that. So he just like deserves an oh lord for like coming out, trying to like get people to feel sorry for him because you know this whole Trump thing. We don't agree with Trump. We don't agree with him. So hey, you know, more power to you, yay, because he's not Kanye anymore. He's yay. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. It's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, he keeps trying to push this and, bruh, it's not working, man. Nobody's buying it. Nobody's trying to wear MAGA hats. Nobody's trying to repurpose it. Everybody sees what it is. So just leave it alone, man. You're not you're not doing nothing. Try something else. He wants know. to be a trendsetter so bad, but I'm sorry. Ain't nobody getting on that wave. And <sighs> I hope people are getting on this blue wave uh, in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Midterms. Let's not forget, people. Be ready. And it's uh, so important because did you watch the McKavanaugh or the Kavanaugh hearings last week? Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the Supreme Court. Okay. First of all, I believe her. I believe the other women too, because they have like more credible witnesses. One who got like all types of top security clearances. Mm-hmm. But even if you did not believe these women, do you really want a Supreme Court justice who admittedly boofed? Oh, man. Like, bro. Yo. Uh, if he wasn't sexually assaulting women, I just would not trust his judgment. You would like to tell our listeners what boofing is? Okay, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> So in his yearbook, he had like a line in there that says, have you boofed yet? Um, And they asked him about that at the hearing. And he said, oh, it just means flatulence. You know, you know, teenage boys are so silly. (laughs) Child, the lie detector test determined that that was a lie. (laughs) Because... When you look it up, when you actually Google it, boofing means ingesting alcohol through your hind part. You heard me right. Your bottom. Your behind. Oh, my goodness, man. Bro, we need to get this guy all the way out of here. (laughs) Several reasons, but boofing is one of them for sure. There's something wrong with him. And you know what? I actually appreciated this hearing because I feel like it gave the world a preview into... Um, just the life of like very rich, privileged people. Mm-hmm. Like I know on Vanderbilt's campus, I was surprised by some of the things that uh my counterparts who, you know, didn't look like me were doing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there was a girl who took on a, a class with me. And, you know, I thought she was so studious because she always talked about like getting out of class and like doing her work. When I finally got to know her, she wanted to get out of class and do her work because uh, she was wanted to smoke weed the rest of the night. (laughs) (laughs) And like people were doing coke and all of that stuff. And it's just kind of like you really think these people be living these clean lifestyles. They're so Christian. They're so like, no. If mm-hmm. you really knew what go went on in some of these private schools, you'd be like just floored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole Kavanaugh thing, man. Like you know, one like you, I believe Dr. Ford, right? That's her name. Um, yes, I, I believe her, man. I watched her whole interview, uh, the whole, you know, her whole uh, testimony, 
she was being very careful. I mean, like even like just making sure everything she said was accurate. She wasn't trying to, you know, um, exaggerate things. She was making sure like, this is what I exactly remember. This is what I don't remember, you know? Um, and I think that's important, right? When you're telling the truth to me that that stands out, you're just trying to be as accurate as possible and not really trying to use it to sway if somebody's guilty or not guilty. It's just to show what I, what I remember, what I don't. And I think that also, intensifies, you know, make people believe her more because it's like, okay, she has no reason to lie, right? And when she says that she's 100% knows it was him, I believe her, right? I mean, I just believe her. And I wish they can get this other guy, what's the name, Judge? Um, that was Mark there too? Yes. Because I'm like, oh, uh, anxiety, oh, alcohol. Okay, we get it, man. But all you have to do is just say, was Kavanaugh there with you? You know, that's it. He don't want to testify on the oath. That's he doesn't what that want is. To. He doesn't want to because they'll probably ask him other questions that'll make him nervous. But I mean, that's just the boy. If she's saying they both were there, Kavanaugh said he wasn't. She says he was. So this is what the GOP wants. They want that he said versus she said and leave it at that. But if you get that judge testimony and he says, nah, Kavanaugh, me and Kavanaugh were there, then that, that automatically shows that he's a liar. And and to me, that's, I mean, we already kind of know this. Yeah. Some of his Yale classmates and high school oh, classmates yeah. actually went on the news after the hearing and was like, yo, he's <laughs> lying. Like, he wanted to present himself as like this church boy, like, oh, I was a virgin until I was married, like all of this. Like, and they're like, dude, that is not the bread we know. Like, mm-hmm. just be real. If you lying about your drinking, lying about whether you've like ever passed out from being drunk, lying about what Ralph means. Like, oh, Ralph just means you have a sensitive stomach. No, it means you got so drunk you threw up. If you can't even be honest about like things that like most common people know what they mean, mm-hmm. then it just it just shows you a lie about something really big. He's lying. I mean, everybody. I mean, the fact you can't say you love beers that much. Like he just said, I love beers. You know, I just I just got to have got to have beer. But then be like, I never blacked out. Everybody knows you're a partier. All your colleagues, all your friends from from Yale, from graduate school have come out and said this. So, bro, we and you said you love to drink as well. So it all adds up, man. Stop. You can't hide it anymore. You know, <laughs> and I was even thinking, I was like, what if this was, you know, not that I would be in this situation. But I'm like, yo, your friends, your colleagues in graduate school, they know you. You know, I couldn't be up there being like, yo, you know, I just always studied. I never hung out. You know what I'm saying? Never turned up. Everybody would come up like, uh, Ty, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, uh, the lie detector test is coming, but that was a lie. Like we I know, turned man. up, y'all. Don't ever let him fool, y'all. Exactly. So they have no reason. And plus, they have no reason to lie. You know what I mean? Why would they all be like, oh, no, if he really didn't do it? Like, come on. So we'll see. I'm glad that they pushed for the FBI investigation, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, flake. Um it's so funny how they I'm like, you know, he's very careful in why he did that, because if it goes wrong, right, and, you know, and it comes out later on to be true, they will all look bad. And especially with the midterms coming up, it's just too risky of a chance. So, yes, have an investigation. Get the facts out. That's what everybody wants. Don't play with that fire because it's going to come out eventually. But they, they're trying to rush this uh, confrontation mm-hmm. before the midterms because they're afraid. And, you know, I'm not going to, like, say w- which way this is going to go because after 2016, I'm sorry. I don't believe polls. I don't believe nothing. But all I can say is y'all better get out there and vote. Like, I already have figured out my early election voting day. I'm going <laughs> to be there bright and early with my getting my I voted sticker. Like, mm-hmm. seriously. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely need to vote because we can't. We, this is this is where we can regain control to whatever we want to see. We got to go out there and do it, people, because this is nonsense, man. Mm-hmm. This guy should not be on the justice. But we'll see how it turns out. Okay, so you know what? Random, because I mentioned weed, <laughs> but there was this random story I came across. What about LAX is about to let people start flying with weed? Mm-hmm. I see that. They're saying they will let you fly with 28.5 grams or less. So don't be talking oh about 28.6, people. <laughs> Yo, like, I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, like, people could, like, Take some to friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they were also careful in, you know, the subtext. They said, listen, we're, we're cool with this, but don't be careful where you're flying to because you may land in the airport or a state that's not cool with it and, and then they'll lock you up. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they were it like, is, be careful. Please be careful, y'all, with you, with airport stuff. Yes, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a start. It's a step. And it will be interesting. What I am worried about, though, is... You know, even uh, situate just people just, you know, abusing the privilege, you know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're going into the, the bathrooms, you know, you can smell it. Smoking, people, you know, yeah. and, and I just worry when kids are around, you know, that's the only thing. Airports, you know, I got a lot of people. And so if you got it, just keep it in your bag. Wait till you get in when you need to get. Don't don't have to light up in the airport, people, because then you about to ruin all of this. You know? yeah. And bring me some gummy bears. Just point. <laughs> <laughs> Plan. I don't smoke weed. Uh, I do like gummy bears. <laughs> I mean, the non, you know, cannabis type. So. No, no cannabis, no CBD. No. <laughs> okay, this other story is, you know, kind of sad and upsetting. So, a student uh, at North uh, Carolina Central University was found dead after being shot by a security guard off campus at an apartment complex last week. The security guard was actually contracted by the university. But what makes this story so sad and just so disturbing is that despite the fact that the university knew about it, despite that, you know, it happened with someone that, you know, they employ. His mother didn't find out until three days later when his roommates called her because they hadn't seen him. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. And it's so irresponsible. Like, you know, they said that the security guard shot him. The security guard is black. They said the security guard shot him. Um, but you know, because he was afraid for his life or, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't know if everything was on the up and up, mm, you know, it, it would have been reported. Like, I don't know. Things um, would have potentially been reported to his mama beforehand. Like that makes me suspicious. If you aren't forthcoming with someone, your student passing away or being killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, trying to cover up, man. Just follow what you're supposed to do. Somebody's life is gone. You got to notify the family immediately. Mm-hmm. You can't wait three days and have mm-hmm. to find out through, through friends and, and roommates and other class. Like, come on. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. His name was DeAndre Ballard. Um, Ballard. We'll try to, you know, keep up with this story to see, you know, what happens with this, but very unfortunate circumstances mm-hmm. again there should be there should be consequences just for the fact they didn't follow proper procedure and uh, and letting the family know like that's a big that's big 
That's that's yeah. huge. And old yeah. boy was back on the job a week later. It's crazy, man. And uh, students are gonna feel safe around this guy now. You know, right? like crazy. All right. It's right. so sad. All right. Um, and the, the last one is just a kind of a follow-up to a February story that we didn't talk about, but I'm pretty sure many people heard about. So there was a teacher in New York who decided to do a Black history lesson about slavery. Well, she called out her Black students in the class and had them lay on the floor while she stepped on them to simulate uh, what it was like to live in cramped conditions uh, on slave ships. Okay. So remember that. Now, uh, she has been fired. What about she is now filed a $120 million lawsuit against the city, against the school district for reverse racism. And really... <laughs> She claims that the Bronx is a war zone, you know, that white teachers are mistreated oh, and, okay. you know, ah, girl, bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, man, with this reverse racism stuff. Again, people are trying to turn this, turn this stuff on their head. Like we talked about last time, the DNA testing, trying to use that. Um, yeah. You're like 4% black. Now you're trying to be like white teachers are, are in, in, endangered. Yeah, I think Uh, what bothers me about these like reverse like discrimination cases is that, you know, when we talked to uh, talk to Dr. Onwachi Willig, you know, they talked about how difficult it is to prove like discrimination. And but for some somehow it seems like I don't know if their cases get traction because, I mean, the other guy, his first case was thrown out, but he's there on appeals. But it's just kind of like. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of like, seriously, it's hard enough for people who actually experience real discrimination to, mm-hmm. you know, actually get their cases heard. And mm-hmm. y'all are like clogging up the judicial system. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just sorry. I don't have that much sympathy for folks who have 400 years head start, man. <laughs> sorry. Oh, well, speaking of 400 years head start, um, yeah, some people had a 400 year head start with building wealth. And now we as a people have to figure out how do we, you know, close that gap that was started 400 years ago. And that's kind of today's topic of discussion. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. I have a couple more stories I want to add before okay. we talk about today's topic. What that I just feel like is worth mentioning. Um, one, I think we should all keep our eye on what's going on, what I've seen recently with the NBA, with J.R. Smith. Um, he played, you know, with LeBron on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he's still on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but if you don't know, recently, last season, NBA team started having like little logos where companies sponsor them. So you'll see things like Nike, of course, and other companies i can't remember all of them but each team pretty much has a major company on uh sponsoring them they put the logos on it on the jerseys um and as of recently uh jr smith who you know has a lot of tats and a lot of nba players have a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. he has a tattoo on his calf uh, that says supreme which is a pretty much a big kind of you know name brand clothing fashion design and stuff make bags and, and hoodies and shirts and all that kind of stuff um And the NBA has told him that he has to cover up his tattoo during games or he'll be fined every every game that it is not covered up. Um, He's very upset about this. 
mainly because he feels like, one, there's other players that have other tattoos like Nike logos and stuff on their arms and not being asked to cover it up. Mm-hmm. But two, it's also begin to have a bigger question as far as, okay, now you're telling these men to what to do with their bodies. Um, you know, he clearly had this tattoo for a while, hasn't been an issue, but now because of the new, you know, negotiations and contracts with these other companies, they feel like he'll be, he's advertising a competing company and that he should cover that up, um, which is problematic in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I find, I find issue with that because I just feel like it should not be allowed. Whatever people have on their bodies, um, you know, should be, should be what, what he should be allowed to do. You shouldn't be telling him to cover it up. So I think we should keep our eyes on that because it just came out from these past couple of days. And I think it's going to spawn a lot more conversation. Um, yeah. About policing people's bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. especially if, because I didn't, until you just mentioned it, I didn't know Supreme was like a, a you know, I guess a clothing line or something, you know, mm-hmm. else like that. But it's just kind of like, you want to dictate what I do with my body because of the money that you're trying to make. And I, I don't know, that doesn't sit well with me either. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Supreme is also mm, a line that, you know, uh, a lot of people of color wear, right? I mean, Khaled promotes it all the time and other, you know, big hip hop artists and people in the industry. Um, so it's also interesting too, why that brand do they want covered up, you know, more than others. Um so we'll see. We'll see if other people have tattoos and what the conversations would be. Because I'm sure I know there's players out there with Nike tattoos. I mean, and Jordan yeah. tattoos and emblems. Um, but that's not an issue, right? Uh, yeah. If it's not with whatever company they have, so we got to pay attention to this too. Um, I'm glad J.R. Smith he posted it and has been vocal about it. So we'll have more conversations. Another to- uh, topic that I saw was interesting uh, was that you know we've seen that the since 2008 and 2016 that the divorce rate has dropped by 18 percent oh wow yes and you know who they're giving this credit to the millennials (laughs) no time they gave us credit for something good they all blame it for all the bad stuff exactly (laughs) oh you baby boomers take that increasing this divorce rate now we're trying to right your wrongs (laughs) right in all Uh, types of ways but this, they've been the U.S. Census has, you know, is where this data has been collected. Um, and pretty much the reason they're saying that the divorce rates have decreased is because millennials are just waiting later to get married. Uh, most of them are waiting to start their careers or have a stable job and have stable finances. And many of them are getting married after the age of 25. Uh, which mm. is all with most all marriage research and research and divorce, divorce research has shown that the later you kind of get married, the longer your marriages are going to last. Um, sociologist Philip Cohen said he also added to this and analyzed the data and found that most of this can be attributed more so to women than men. Um, okay. Yeah. So shout okay. out to the women, you know, keeping these marriages strong. Just saying simply that women are now waiting to after the age of 25. And after that age, most of them are also having bachelor's degrees and careers. And so just that alone is causing um, the marriages to last longer. So shout out to the women. Who are having more impact on these the millennial women? Yes, honey. <laughs> we said we're going to do the thing. We're going to get our degrees. We're going to hold off and we're going to find the right man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how all the men step their game up now that y'all step y'all game up. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's interesting because I guess we are, when we think about it, millennial marriages, uh, many of them have all the right factors because research talks about like age, you know, independently, you know, improving the odds of like staying married, education, 
improving the odds of staying married. Mm-hmm. Finances improving the odds of staying mm-hmm. married. So it's just kind of like, okay, millennials, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So next, shout out to the millennials. Next time a baby boomer try to come at you, <laughs> just be like, anything divorce? Just <laughs> don't say it. Don't say that. I'm just playing. <laughs> let's talk that divorce rate, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. Now, millennials, now that you are, you know, divorcing less, then also let's make sure we are out there voting, too. So, yeah, who we want in office come November 6th. Um, but other than that, yeah, again, shout out to all y'all participating in the Tease for Degrees campaign. It's officially over, but we've got an excellent response. A lot of orders, so we appreciate it. Again, all the proceeds, 100% going to United Negro College Fund. When your shirts come in, um, you guys will probably be getting them for, if you didn't do a rush order, you'll be getting them in the next week or two. When they come in, make sure, take a photo, put T's for degrees, at BHD Podcast, tag us, so we can collect those photos and put them up on our website and show off, you know, what you got, your support for the podcast and all that you do. So, again, we thank you all for participating in that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. But um, as we were saying earlier, right, talking about finances, and we've talked about finances a few times throughout the podcast, and now we're, you know, we're always going to have conversations about that and, and talk to people who can help us get a better understanding of how to increase our finances and make that financial portfolio even stronger. And one way of doing so, I know people talk about investing. Of course, that can be done in some ways, like with stocks and bonds and savings and all that kind of stuff. But another way is asset building and do real estate. And so our guest for today is Kendra Barnes, who is into real estate investing, who has her own um, company called The Key Resource, where she is a resource for particularly our community as well and has workshops and all this kind of stuff and has gotten into investing over these past few few years and has been very successful at it. Um, So we got the chance to interview her. She tells us her story. Again, wasn't always the smoothest road to getting to where she is with investing. So she'll share some of those stories to make sure that we don't make some of the same mistakes that she did. But also I think it's just important for us to know that this is a a really, really good option um, to not only build your own financial portfolio, but have assets that you can pass down to for generations, right? This is what other folks have been doing over the past with their 400 year head start. So it's good that we can do the same. Um, And it's also just important to know, you know, that this is another way of building, building your own, um, your own finances and building from that way. And as you would see too, what you will see is that Kendra also, it's a unique way. We can also use it to help the community too, depending on which kind of real estate investing you want to do, right? Say if you want to be a landlord and help particular families, right? And you can control the rent and the spaces they live in as well. So again, really interesting conversations. You'll get a lot out of it. I know because we got a lot out of it. Um, So of course, you know, pay attention closely. Agreed. Let's, right, so, let's let's spread this knowledge. All right, let's spread this knowledge. We'll get up with y'all afterwards. For most Americans, owning a home is a major factor in the accumulation of wealth. However, research indicates that there exists a large gap in the rate of home ownership between Black and white Americans. Specifically, more than 70% of white households own their own homes compared to only 45% of Black Americans. Today, we focus on how to close the gap by interviewing Kendra Barnes, a real estate investor and founder of The Key Resource, a company and community geared toward helping others to accumulate wealth through real estate. In today's interview, we discuss different types of investments, 
myths and misconceptions about investing, and the do's and don'ts of wealth building through real estate. Welcome, Kendra. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for, for joining us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we kind of get into the, the, the meat of this interview, we always like to just ask our listeners, I mean, our listeners, ask our guests to just tell us a little bit about ourselves for our listeners. Um, tell us about your journey and kind of how did you get into doing what you're doing today with real estate? Yeah, so I got started in real estate investing really randomly. Like you said, I'm the founder of The Key Resource. And, you know, at The Key Resource, I empower and equip um, millennials to get started with real estate investing. But my journey was like a very random one. So um, Tyrell, we met at Purdue. So I was I went to Purdue for, mm-hmm. for grad school. You know, I studied agricultural economics, which is random in itself. Like who studies that, right? Um <laughs> And then I went and got a job in D.C., met my husband, got married, like bought a house, you know, like the normal things that you expect to do after college. Um, but we got into real estate investing after playing this game called Cash Flow. I don't know if y'all heard of the game. No, I never heard of that. Have you done? No, no but I'm interested now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a board game. It's kind of like Monopoly, but way better because it really mimics life and Basically, in the game, you're trying to get out of the rat race and the rat race is like working your nine to five, living paycheck to paycheck, like having a whole bunch of bills, but no like extra streams of income. Um, And so we played that game. And after we played the game, literally, we walked away and we were like, oh, my gosh, we are not doing anything to build wealth. Like we had no um no one had told us leading up to that, that like, hey, it's important to build wealth. It's important to invest your money, like save your money. So the game kind of opened our eyes. And then the next thing, um, the next day, we were looking for our first rental property. So that's kind of how we kind of got into real estate investing. It was very random. We learned a lot of lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. First of all, I'm going to cop that game. Yes, <laughs> it's really good. Second, I did not realize you were a fellow Boilermaker. I'm guessing I came after you. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, three, I definitely want to get into real estate investing. So um, I'm going to probably ask the questioner question that all listeners want to know. Um, just what are some major concepts um, when it in terms of real estate investing, like, you know, what are the different types of investing? Like, just what are some of the words that people should know um, and start to probably Google and research if they are interested in real estate investing? So there are so many different ways to get in on the game. So my husband and I, we are what's called buy and hold investors. And that basically means you you buy a rental property and then you rent it out. So basically we're landlords, right? And to give you a little background, like I was telling you guys, we got started, we played a game. And then the next day we're out there looking for rental property, which I don't suggest, which is why I teach and educate now because we were not educated at all. Um, but what we did was we, um, we bought a a duplex, a multi-unit for our first investment. And right now we own the duplex, we own a four unit building, uh, we own a condo and two single family homes. But, um, so that's one way like buy and hold investing, right? The other ways are flipping, wholesaling. Um, you can do tax liens and you can also do, um, like what's called realty funds. So I'll kind of explain each of those really quickly. So flipping, I'm sure everyone's seen like HGTV, you buy a house, fix it up and then resell it. 
HGTV makes it seem way easier than it is. (laughs) (laughs) And flipping is really cool because you make a lot of money in a relatively short amount of time. Like say you buy a house, um, I don't know, it's a hundred thousand dollars. You fix it up and then you sell it and make a profit of like 50,000 in a matter of months. That's awesome. But my thing when I try to tell people is the money you make in real estate investing or any kind of investing or any money you make, it's only as good as what you do with that money. So, um, when people are like making these large sums of money in such a short amount of time, I always urge them to, to kind of think about like longevity. So that's flipping, right? Fixing up a property, making some money off of it. Um, then you have wholesaling, which you're, you're really not buying a property at all. You're um, it's kind of complicated. I have a class on it, but mm-hmm. you're kind of like buying and selling contracts. Um mm-hmm. So then you have like realty funds where like if you like if all three of us wanted to kind of get together and invest in something together, you can do it like that. So there's all different kind of ways to get in the game. But uh, my husband and I were um, buy and hold investors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess for our listeners, just to maybe provide a little more context, and I'm sure every situation is different. So I guess I'll try to paint the picture in a way if you have somebody that maybe doesn't have a lot of money, maybe somebody that has an average amount, maybe a little bit of maybe, you know, liquid assets or, or some some cash flow. And then people that have maybe a lot of money um, to kind of experiment with real estate. What would you kind of suggest at each tier that they should maybe start to look at if they wanted to get into real estate investing? So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. That's one of the um, biggest misconceptions of real estate investing is that you like have to be rich to get started. And that's one of my like biggest points to dispel because you can really start like where you are right now with what you have. Um, so one of the ways to get started, like if you don't really have like much to put towards it is like I said, like tax lien investing. And I can share with you guys some different links um, and resources so that your listeners can learn about it. Um, because you can start investing in tax liens with like as little as like $500. Um, and it's a great way to grow your money. Um, another thing, like I told you guys, we started out, we bought a duplex and I don't know if y'all, if y'all know, or if any listeners out there is out there know, but when you're buying a rental property, like if you're buying a property that you are not going to live in, you have to put 25% down. Like if you're going to get a mortgage and you're going to buy a property that you are not going to live in, you have to put 25% down. That's a lot of money. If you do the math and think about like how much properties cost, um, you're looking at like 50, 60, $70,000 that you need to have cash. Like who has that? We're out here paying student loans, (laughs) like stuff like that. But there are so many ways to get around that. Um, And one of the little known ways to kind of save money on buying a rental property is called house hacking. Do y'all know about house hacking? I'm kind of familiar with it uh, from following you, but yeah, you share with our listeners. (laughs) Curiosity strikes me. (laughs) Um, House hacking is when you buy a multi-unit property, live in one and rent out the others. And what's so cool about house hacking is you um, can eliminate or lower the down payment for the property, which if y'all think about it, that's like the biggest hurdle to buying a house or a rental, Mm -hmm. that down payment. Mm -hmm. People are out here paying student loans and credit card debt and all these kinds of things. And so when it comes to coming up with like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, like who has that? Mm. Um, so with house hacking, 
there, there are a plethora of benefits, but one of the things that you can do is like use down payment assistance programs. There are programs out there that will pay like your down payment, pay your closing costs. The other really cool thing about house hacking is the ability to like eliminate your living expenses. If you buy a duplex, you're living in one and your tenant is paying you rent for the other. If that tenant is paying, is covering your mortgage, you're now able to save that money that you would normally spend on your living expenses. Um, and so when we first started out, like I was telling you guys, we bought a duplex and we had to put like $52,000 down. We had no idea house hacking existed. And really, even if we did at the time, I was not even in, in a real wealth building mindset. Like I did not want to sacrifice my, at the time, so we bought a rental property, but we owned a house. It was a huge house. We had a backyard. We had like a movie theater room. Mind you, it's two people, me and my husband, no kids, no dog. And I was like, I'm not moving into no one bedroom apartment. Like I'm not giving, I work hard every day. I got two degrees. I went to Purdue. You know what I'm saying? I'm not giving up my space. But what I know now is if you really want to build true wealth from the ground up, you really have to do things that other people will not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you know, it's not easy. So like that short-term sacrifice for long-term goals kind of mindset. Um, but yeah, long story short, you know, house hacking is one of the ways that people can like really kind of get their feet with, with, wet with real estate investing. And then um, it's a really cool way to like eliminate living expenses so that you can really pay off debt quicker and things like that. Mm. So you actually mentioned um, the misconception or myth about having to be rich or having to have a lot of money to get started. Are there any other myths and misconceptions about real estate investing? Um, so yeah, the, the myth about having a lot of money, also the myth that like you have to be a landlord when, when you invest in real estate, that's not the case. You, like I said, you can flip properties, you can do wholesaling. Um, you can, you can be a private lender, like say you have some money that you want to invest. I suggest that no matter what kind of investing you get into, try to figure out a way to make your money make money. So say you have some money that you want to invest, but you do not want to be a landlord. You don't want to deal with tenants. You don't want to deal with repairs. You can lend money to other real estate investors and get a return on that money. So you can still have your money working for you, but you don't necessarily have to be involved in the day to day. So there's a huge opportunity there. So when you... um when you're talking about sacrifices, yeah, I think to make wealth and to grow wealth, you do have to make mm-hmm. sacrifices. How long, for our listeners, how long did you stay in the uh, the one bedroom? Was it years? Was it a little bit of time? Was it? So for for that duplex, we bought it. We didn't live there because I didn't really understand oh, the benefit. Okay. No, we did house hack later. So for that duplex, I didn't really understand the benefits of house hacking. I didn't know house hacking was a thing, but the the banker, the um the banker that we use for the loan, he did tell us. He was like, "You know if y'all live here, you're not going to have to put down 52,000, right?" Like and I was like, I'm not giving up my space. Like, I'm not. My husband was like, oh, we should do this. We can save money. I was like, Mm-mm, I got two degrees. Like, I can't work hard every day. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, but then the next property we bought was a four unit apartment building. And um, it was $800,000. And we only had to put down 17000 because we lived in one unit and rented out the other. And this is so huge, y'all, because... We bought an $800,000 property mm. with $17,000 down yeah. and we make 12000 a month on that property. Mm-hmm. So like that's 
like the true definition of leverage and like making your money work. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that like short term sacrifice, we lived, we lived in that four unit for one year. Oh, and, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's not even bad, you know, one year. Mm-hmm. It's enough. interesting. Yeah. Living with your tenants can be kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in, in a second when we talk a little bit about being a landlord. Um, but I know you already kind of shared a little bit along the way, but what are maybe one or two mistakes you would you know like to share from your own experience that you did while in the beginning? Like you said, you didn't really know much about it, jumping into it. And I think like, like me and like a lot of our listeners don't know much about it. So it would be one or two tips, things that you can share from your experience that we should do in the very onset, in the beginning when we're trying to get into this what are things we should be looking out for? Um, so one thing I would urge everyone to to kind of think about and look out for um, would be the the people that, you know, you surround yourself with. Um, I think in the very beginning, you know, my husband and I, we jumped right into it, but we also were coming from a family and a group of friends who had never invested in real estate. And so they were all like projecting their fears on us. Like, this is too risky. This is too much. Y'all doing too much. Like, you know, things like that. How, how are you going to manage this and and stuff like that? And so um, those things can really stop you in your tracks. Like, especially if you're the first person in your family or in your circle of friends to like really start building wealth and really start doing something different. Um, It can be easy to let those things hold you back. So I would say, you know, to everyone listening, do you do what works for you. Don't let other people project their fears on you. Mm. Um, the other thing when it comes to like working with banks for a mortgage or working with a real estate agent, once you set your goals and you know, your boundaries, you know, your financial limitations and what your financial goals are like, don't let anyone push you to like extend yourself too much. Right. If you know you have goals and you have a budget and this is how much you want to spend and this is what makes you comfortable don't surround yourself with any professionals, whether it be like a mortgage broker or a real estate agent that is like pressuring you to do things that you know would stretch your, you know, stretch you too thin. Um, so just make sure you like stick to your goals and things like that. Oh, nice. Now, did you have to get um, a license to do what you do or no? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. No. So that's a, that is a huge one. I almost forgot. People think that you have to be like a licensed real estate agent to invest in real estate. No, no, no. And actually y'all, like if you're thinking about getting a real estate license, that's cool, but it's very expensive to keep up. You have to pay to take the test. You have to pay to keep your license up to date. You have to pay monthly fees, quarterly fees, and annual fees. So unless you're making money being a real estate agent, I would not suggested. There's nothing they teach you in that course that will teach you how to invest in real estate. The real estate agent course basically just tells you how to not get sued as an agent. Like that's it. Mm, (laughs) That is so good to know. And I have a question. So I used to work um, at an escrow company when I was like in college, that was like my summer job. And so I, I learned a little bit about real estate. And so even when it comes to like, so you buy, you know, investment properties to hold, is it still the same to where buyers aren't paying for the agent or do you, when it comes to investing, do you kind of split those costs with sellers typically? No, it's the same. So yeah, the seller um, pays the agent fees. Okay. Good to know. 
So one thing I want to know about is because, you know, I do have a vision of having properties that I buy and hold and that I rent mm-hmm. out. And so I just want to know what it's like being a landlord, because I've had a lot of people say, like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to do that. So what is it like being a landlord and what does it take to be a successful one? Like, what are some of the attributes? You know, it's so different for every property and every tenant because we have some properties where we never hear from our tenants. They fix stuff themselves. They pay rent on time. It's like they're really easy. But then we have our properties where we have like Section 8 tenants who they are not bad people. They just require more time. Um, I'll say that. And you're so a few things. One it just depends on the property and depends on depends on your tenants. Um, but two, I love being a landlord to black tenants. I love being a landlord um, to my black tenants that have black children who are able to see me. And then now their eyes are open. They're like, you know what? I can be a landlord because growing up, no one ever told me like, hey, Kendra, you know, you can own property one day. Mm. Like no one ever told me that. And so I think it's so powerful um, for my husband and I to be an example Um but then like when you're asking what it's really like to be a landlord, it, it really just depends for our, um, I know there's a kind of like a stigma surrounding like having section eight tenants. Um, it's not a bad experience because we'll, we, we've um, had section eight tenants for years, but it does require more time. We do talk to them more, but you're, you're talking about a group of people who, especially in DC where our, um, where our rentals are, They've been underserved for years, um, underserved, underdeveloped, treated terribly by other landlords for years. And so now we feel like we're kind of like fighting against all of that. Um, I hope that answers your question. No, it, it does answer the question. Are there like special like requirements for a property to be Section 8 to be eligible for it? Yes. So um, you have to get, you know, inspected. So there is a a pretty um, stringent inspection process for Section 8 rentals. Um, You know, there's like a application process and things like that. So but just like with any screening process for tenants, you know, you interview the Section 8 tenants, you can even go and like see where where they are living currently um, and kind of like look at their place and see how they are and things like that. So um yeah, it's it's definitely not bad. And I will say like we get more. So usually Section 8 pays like above market rent. The pay is really, really good. So, I mean, it's kind of like it's worth it, um, you know, even though we do find ourselves interacting with our Section 8 tenants more. <laughs> so, um, you know. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but I think maybe we can just get a little bit more um, concrete with some of the things, a couple of the steps. What what advice, you know, someone that wants to begin investing, um, what advice would you kind of give to them? Kind of like what would be the first steps that they need to do? I know you said definitely be careful who you're surrounding, reach your goals. And if you, that's something you want to do, do it. Uh, but as far as maybe things like budgeting and stuff like that, um, should they mm-hmm. have what kind of plan should they begin to try to at least think about laying out to make sure if this is feasible or what kind of moves they should do when they're trying to do this kind of investing. So first figure out like, why do you want to invest in real estate? Like, are you trying to pass property down to your children? Do you want to make passive income? Like 
do you have a monthly number in mind? Like I want to make $800 a month. Like what is your goal? Right. And then kind of work backwards from there. Once you figure out how much you want to make per month, what does that look like where you live? Like, are you, what price range does that put you in? If you want to make $800 a month, where do you need to buy? What kind of property do you need to buy? Um, and then figure out, you know, what you need to do to afford that kind of property. So if you want to make $800 a month, say that's your goal. That means you need to buy a property that's going to be like $200,000. I'm just making these numbers up, but like kind of get those numbers and then figure out, okay, I need to buy properties $200,000. That means I need to have X amount in down payment and then kind of start saving from there. Another thing that I can share with you guys to share with your listeners, if you can put like a link, is a savings plan workbook that I put together. It's an Excel sheet where you can plug in different things and kind of see when you need to start saving, how much you need to start saving based on your goals and um, and your financial situation. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll definitely share that link uh, for sure when we publish the episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, But beyond like the goals and things like that, I would say definitely start doing research. Um, but once you start doing research, do not get analysis paralysis. I think a lot of people start learning and they get so scared to make the leap that they just keep learning, keep attending like seminars and keep buying courses and reading books. (laughs) But you, you will learn the most by doing like you have to jump out there. And what I tell people all the time is like, say you jump out there and you make a mistake you're going to figure it out because that's your money on the line. Like if you buy a property and you thought you were going to flip it, but it ends up not selling because whatever, whatever, put a tenant in it. If you can't find a tenant that's going to, you know, if the market rent in your area isn't enough to pay you what you're looking for, do Airbnb. Like there's, you're going to figure it out because that's your money and you're going to make your money back. Like you have to jump out there and do it. Yeah, it makes sense. There's risk associated with everything, I guess, right? And Mm -hmm. you can't fully perfectly plan everything out and plan for you to do the best you can. But at least you, what you're saying is that there's always ways out of it too, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just got to be creative and, and open to those different options. So as a black woman, can you explain why it is so important for people of color to begin figuring out ways to build wealth? Like why is this important for us? Like, why should we continue, begin and continue to have these conversations? It's so important, y'all. This is why I started the key resource, because I don't know if y'all saw that article. And I know you are in like the education realm. So um, I'm sure you have. And if you haven't, I know you'll have some. I can't wait to hear what you think. But there was an article like back in 2010. And it was talking about the net worth, the median net worth of black women. Did y'all see that? No. I I did. And I've seen like some articles about like the uh, net worth of like black people in general. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of I'll let I'll let you (laughs) drop the hammer. (laughs) It's so sad. Yes. So the 2010, it said the median net worth of black women was five dollars. And that includes Oprah, Beyonce, Serena, whoever you want to include as a whole. Black women were worth five dollars. Five. Yes. Five and black men were not even on the spectrum, which is even worse. Jeez. Mm-hmm. So, but I think the most recent article I saw said that the black family as a whole, the median um, net worth was like a thousand dollars, which is still really terrible. Um, when you look at our white counterparts, where theirs was like forty thousand. Wow. Um, and so, when you think about net worth, that's literally your assets minus your liabilities, things that you own 
minus things that you owe, like your car loan, your student loans, your credit card. Um, we don't own enough assets. Like we have to get in the game. But on the flip side of that, I think we're just now getting to a place where we are able to be owners. Um, we're not getting that like generational wealth passed down. Our generation right now is about to change the game. And that's why I'm so um, passionate about empowering my peers to do this because we're in a position where we can and we can really, really flip the script. Um, so yeah, I'm just interested to see how y'all feel about that. Like, what do y'all think about it? Well, I, I would say for me that like, I've read some of those articles and I read one related to Boston where I most recently lived and it, it so you talked about how like being strategic with like goal setting to say like if I want to make this much per month I need to like mm -hmm. have this property you know to cost this amount or whatever it is and I'm reading those articles have made me think strategically about what type of debt do I have mm -hmm. what do I need to make sure to, to get in the green. So like, I, you know, I, you know, I can't start off saying like, I want to be, or I can say I want to be a millionaire, but that might not mm -hmm. happen. Like my first concrete goal is to just wipe the slate clean and mm -hmm. be able to say I have a positive net worth. And from there, just continue to build and build. Like, so I think about my long-term goals in terms of positive net worth, mm -hmm. if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is an amazing goal. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, every time I hear those statistics, I mean, stuff like that about, about wealth and just how far behind the Black community is, I mean, it's alarming in a lot of ways. But I mean, like you said, it's royal right. You know, we, our grandparents' generation, our parents' generation didn't have as much opportunity as we do, kind of this, uh -huh. this, this millennial generation and those coming behind us. Um, and so, like, I'm all for it. Like, that's one of the things me and my wife talk about how, how are we going to, again, build these assets? How are we going to own things and, and, and be in control of our own monies and, and wealth and, and, and wealth mm -hmm. building? Uh, because it's like, you know, we don't have kids yet, but that's something I'm thinking about. Like, what am I going to leave my children? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I have, we, like you said, we have these degrees, but <laughs> are we doing our community a, um, a disservice if we're not continue on the trend of trying to build more and give them more, right? And own more. Yeah. And like you said, I like what you said earlier about just, you know, having the black families in your units and just having the black kids see you. Because um, mm -hmm. when I think, when you said that, I thought about, I was like, man, I don't think I really ever saw, I, for me, had like a black landlord or, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's always been like, just, and that can do something to you, you know, subconsciously, right? Yes. You're, you're just like, just used to always, it's like normal. Oh, white people own, white people own, white yep. people own. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, I'm glad you shared that because I think that's really important. Just even seeing that can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Representation is so important. And I just being a black landlord and a black female landlord, like seeing people's reactions, black and white, they just they have so many questions. They can't believe it. Like I have this coworker who just swears I must have been like left a million dollars because how could I as a young black woman, how could I have done this on my own? Right. So just dispelling these um, these, you know, these perceptions. And uh, one time we had the police come to our four unit because you also when we bought this when we bought this four unit apartment building, we basically bought it with tenants in it. And they weren't the best tenants in the world. So now we we've, we have like replaced those tenants with tenants that we picked. But um, we had the police come to our unit to talk to someone. And we were living there. 
And um, the police officer, you know, came, he's looking for the owner of the building. I'm like, I'm the owner. And he did not believe me. Like I had to go in my file cabinet, take out the deed, show him my license and my, um, and the deed and show and like prove. And even then he was like, well, where's your husband? I had to call my husband. My husband had to come up there and talk to this police officer because it was just like, mm. he could not believe that I actually own the building. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And so stuff like that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. We need to um, think of a name for that officer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Property Paul. Oh. Not your property <laughs> Paul. Oh my God. Yeah. That's definitely one of those type of stories. Um, and one thing I want to kind of go back to just uh, that, that this question just came across my mind. So you said you, you have uh, most of your properties and maybe all your properties in the D.C. area, but you don't live in the D.C. area anymore, but you're still a landlord. How does that work with the distance in between being a landlord where you're not physically present in that, that area? It's interesting. We moved here because my husband's um, job moved him. And we're like, you know what? We're going to try this long distance landlording thing. And what we did before we left was we, because we lived in DC for so long, like we built up a team of people that we know we can call on. So if our tenants have an issue, like say the faucet's leaking, we know who to call to fix that faucet. Like it's not like we're scrambling and we don't know who to trust and stuff like that. So I think for anyone who's thinking about long distance landlording, as long as you have a team built up that you can trust, like there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of people find that if you live in a high cost of living area, like New Jersey or New York or California, you can't afford anything in that state. Like you're going to have to buy out of state. And so there's nothing wrong with, um, one, buying out of state. And I was also going to say, too, there's nothing wrong with buying a rental property before you even have purchased a house for yourself. Um, I know plenty of people who are not in a space where they can afford to buy a house where they live. Like, say they live in L.A., they can't afford to buy like $800,000 house in L.A., but they can afford a 60000 rental in Atlanta. So they bought rental properties. They're still renting, but they're making their money make money. Hmm. Um so just keep that in mind, too. Um, there's really no like wrong way to do it. As long as your money is making money and you're building up your net worth, do it. Nice. Uh, merrily, merrily eating off of streams. Isn't that what JT said? <laughs> so this has been like a really informative conversation. And like I said, I just joined your Facebook group and I'm, you know, going to be like looking into even some of your coaching and stuff like that. So um, is there anything else um, you want to share with our listeners that we didn't cover? Anything that comes to mind um, and even more about like your services potentially? So I do have some courses. I'll I'll share the link with you guys. But um, I just really want to encourage people to just like get started. I know it's really scary, but like everything that's worth anything is like on the other side of fear. Right. So you have to just push through, um, do it reach out if you need help. I do have like coaching services like you, um, like you mentioned, Daphne, but just do it. Um, you learn the the best lessons by just getting out there and, and, and doing it. But if y'all, if y'all have any other questions, you know, let me know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so where, you know, where can people find you? Website, social media, all that good stuff? So yeah, you can find me on Instagram at the key resource, um, T-H-E-K-E-Y resource, the key resource. And once you get to my Instagram, pretty much everything is like right there in the link in my bio. So 
yeah, let me know um, if y'all have any questions. I love talking about real estate. So DM me, email me, um, and I can't wait to chat with y'all. Yeah, for sure. For all our listeners, definitely check it out. And like I said, I, I've been following, uh, well, I know Kendra from Purdue, but also been following her on Instagram with the key resource. She definitely is very engaged with her followers, always posting questions that she that they get. She gets in her DMs, posting it onto her page. And I, I find it very helpful too, responding to comments. So again, we're not just blowing smoke here. She's not just blowing smoke. She is very engaged with her, um, with the people and in, in the, the people engaging with her on her social media accounts so definitely take advantage of that and look into her services if you're really trying to get involved with this real estate investing business you know but other than that we'd like to thank you kendra for joining us today thank you and learned a lot great conversation i'm sure our, our listeners did too mm-hmm. and uh, thank you yeah, we'll, we'll definitely post your links and stuff like that and, and uh be in touch for sure thanks y'all Hi, Daph. Well, I'm excited after talking to Kendra uh, about this investing and all that good stuff. Ty, I'm already plotting and planning. I'm like, <laughs> what's my next move? You know mm-hmm. how serious I am about this, like after we talked to Ash Cash, but I'm like, I've always loved real estate. Like I said, I worked for like this real estate company for like three summers when I was an undergrad and I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um so one thing our listeners didn't hear is because uh, I mentioned to Kendra um, after the interview, like, oh, I was going to look into tax liens. And she did tell me that there's a difference between the tax deed and tax lien situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a lower threshold for getting into like buying tax liens. Yeah. Uh, so that might be something I, I look into. Um mm-hmm. 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 But I did. So I did hear I have to figure out like my ethics around this because like with buying tax liens, you might be paying for, um, you know, the taxes that someone owe on a property. And if they do not pay back uh, the taxes because they will owe you taxes plus interest, if they don't mm-hmm. pay that back, you can foreclose on the property. Now, mm-hmm. I need to figure out my own ethics around this because I remember a friend telling me that a lot of the times It's like these older black people that are like, um, yeah, falling behind on taxes because, you know, they're on fixed incomes and stuff like that. Mm So I I don't I don't really know if I would want to get rich off of that. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's like owning the debt so they won't foreclose and like trying to get them on a payment plan or something like that. I I don't know, because I want to be a ethical business mm-hmm. person if that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that makes I mean that makes a lot of sense. I think <laughs> that would be <laughs> the right thing to do. It's kind of um and I think that's important for us uh I, you know, black folk that are trying to get into this that probably white folk don't have to think about too much, right? Is that we do want to do this stuff, uh but we also have to be cognizant of who's usually preyed upon the most, who's more likely to be in these situations. And so I think the you know, the premise part of the premise and core of our conversation was kind of uplifting and empowerment. And I think when we do, who who have the privilege to get into these situations, I think we should. It is it is a, part, a responsible part of us to just make sure we're not harming the community, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just, we can't just be all about the money uh, when it is hurting our community, then it's like being a disservice, like I said, and counteracting what we're trying to actually accomplish. So, so yeah, I think I, I would, you know, the tax lien thing, it's, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's good and I'm pretty sure all of them are not like that. I think we would just have to be careful. Like, okay, 
who who is this you know who is this hurting is it hurting anybody what's the situation and i don't know can we get it would you be able to get that kind of information or would they just here's the tax lien here's the property that's all you get or would they give you more like you know who owns it and stuff like that and then you can make decisions yeah i'm gonna way. do a little bit of research into that yeah yeah but no i mean like i mean i'm really excited because, um, like, again, this is something that I think I really want to get into. I'm glad she broke down the different ways of investing. Um, I think pe- most people do know a lot about flipping. And, I, you know, I watch some of that HGTV stuff. Um, and it does, you know, I, I wouldn't say it looks easy because when they be doing all that construction and stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really down for all that manual labor when I've seen everybody <laughs> flipping out and breaking stuff down. I'd rather have somebody else do it. And I'm not into, like, interior design and all that kind of stuff. So it don't, that didn't interest me too much at all. I always was like, like to see the, what kind of profit they would get from it or how much they would flip. But, um, I don't think flipping would be the way I would go around it, but, um, but definitely probably like buying holds and, and house hacking are things that I think I'm pretty, pretty interested in, uh, mm-hmm. buying holds, especially for me. Cause you know, I think I'll be, you know, my career, I'm a professor. I'll probably always be around a college town. And I think that'd just be the more feasible option. Cause I'll probably always have tenants and people, moving in students, whoever, you know. Yeah, I I completely agree. And another thing people don't think about when it comes to those house flipping uh, shows and be like, oh, $50,000 profit or whatnot, you got to pay capital gains taxes on that. Because like if you like have like a property for like under two years or whatnot and you're selling it, you have to pay like a higher like tax than you would you know, compared to if you held the property for like a longer time. So like those are considerations that you have to think about. You know, I don't know a lot, but I know a little bit. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People always forget about the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got 50,000. I'm good. No, no, no. No, no. You might Uncle have Sam 25. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sam running right to you to take his piece of the check. Mm hmm. But speaking of that college town thing, I'm about to see when we finish with this, I'm going to see if I can convince John that during our next move, would he be willing to sacrifice housing for a year or two mm. and and live in maybe a unit that we own uh, so that we can get that down payment assistance thing. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah that, it makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I mean, one it looks like if you want to start to, at least to begin to build your wealth, it's going to probably have some form of sacrifice, whether mm-hmm. you're pulling from some of the money you saved and you like you like your money sitting in that savings account real nice. And you got to put that down payment down if you if you really want this property or like you said, instead of paying 25 percent of a down payment and you got to live somewhere for a year to for a three percent down payment, <laughs> you know. Do you, or can you make that sacrifice for that year and put yourself in a situation? I think, and I think most people can if you plan for it, you mm-hmm. know, and you understand what's at stake. Because okay, I'll live here for a year, and if you think about it, maybe if you're doing it right, you're living there for that year. You're not paying any of your own living experiences if you have your tenants covering the cost of that mm-hmm. unit. So then, if you still have a job, which I'm sure you do, well, now you're not paying rent. Right. And now mm-hmm. you're actually saving that money a lot, plus making money on top of the unit for that year. Then if you want to go buy your house the following year and move out, then you're good to go. But you got that property for a very low percentage. And, yeah. Uh, and I think the big thing about that is saying that, like, you will eventually need capital. So if buying your first property is buying something where you where maybe you did have 25 percent, but if you can save most of that, 
you know, for either a down payment on another house or a down payment on another property when you really need it. Mm-hmm. That just seems smart. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's no secret because I watch, you know, I follow a lot of celebrities on, on social media and a lot of them are always promoting somebody like DJ Envy comes to mind, always promoting, um, investing in property and buying units and renting out and tenants and making a lot of his money and wealth and assets off of doing this very thing and the connections he have in the New York and New Jersey areas. And so it's, it's something that really gives you that passive income. And that's what we talked about with Ash Cash, which he says is something that should be one of our number one goals as a community is figuring out ways to get passive income, making Mm -hmm. money while you sleep. And like Kendra said, getting out the rat race from playing that game. Um, And I think that's just important, man, because don't we all want to live like that? (laughs) Like you just sleeping, knowing that your bank account is getting higher and you don't got to do nothing. You know, I'm not saying nothing, but you're not putting that hard labor in like you would at a, at a place you're working. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that this is the case, but we are a society that is more and more like renters. Like not a lot of people are buying it. it might be because they're skeptical given what happened like 10 years ago mm-hmm. when, you know, the bubble burst or whatnot. But people are looking for nice places to rent. Be that ethical landlord, like be that place where people want to live. Um, yeah, make that money. Make that <laughs> money. Oh man, this is this is exciting. Um, it I is. Like it. I like. It. I like. It. And you know, to me, I, I, this attracts me more than like financial investing, kind of. You know, like stocks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just feel like you can have a little bit more control over, mm-hmm. um, like what's go- the properties you want. Of course, your plan. Um, who lives there but also like she said like you know there's risk associated with it but if something were to happen you can still figure out ways to still make your money right yep. i couldn't flip it well now i'm gonna have tenants or now i'm gonna do airbnb or now i'm gonna do something else um and so it's like gives you options too where you can get yourself out of a jam if there is one where it's like i don't and plus i just don't know much about financial investing so it's like i have to give my money to somebody and just keep watching it and hoping it grows um mm-hmm. Or I like to have a little bit more control over my my finances and see what what I'm doing with it. What's what's it doing? Where's it going? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, exciting. Exciting. So again, um, like we said during the interview, make sure to um follow Kendra's account at the Key Resource. I follow it. Very engaging. You can ask her questions. They have um, on the website a a like a class kind of session stuff where they teach you a whole bunch of things and you get unlimited access to it for I think like around $200 or so. Um, so those of you that are serious about it and want to learn about all different facets of it, invest in that in that class uh, for a one-time payment and you always have that information readily available um, and, and, and learn more about it. And hit her up because she's all about empowering us and giving us more information about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. That's the kind of people we want that, that, that want to see us succeed and not just trying to Take our monies and see the yeah, and, and, and trying to keep out of money to herself. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So those are the kind of people we want to do business with. So make sure y'all go ahead and jump on that opportunity. Uh, but other than that, as always, follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at BHD Podcast. Email us at bhdpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, topic ideas, what have you. Um, and then continue to rate and review us on iTunes. Please, 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 please do that if you haven't did that yet. Um, and as always, continue to share us with your friends, share us with your family. 
and share us with your enemies and continue to be the oppressors worth fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. <laughs>